Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. We are back with another episode of Managing Expectations. It's the transfer window all over the globe, here and abroad. MLS teams are busy working to fine-tune or, in uh, numerous cases, overhaul their rosters as the season gets past the halfway mark and we're getting to the business end of the calendar. Teams are separated, good from bad. Playoff hopes are dissipating or becoming real. It's all happening. U.S. MNT players are in Europe in preseason, getting ready for the 2022-23 season, or they're getting ready to get the hell out of wherever they are making moves to optimize their playing outlook and chances for the World Cup with four months until the World Cup. Don't worry, I'm not going solo today. You won't be hearing my voice droning along alone with no one to push back on whatever nonsense I say. Again, as I keep joking like a dictator. I have my good friend Joe Lowry here. Joe's the managing editor, star writer, newsletter curator, man working the budgets, probably the HR department, judge, jury, and in rare cases, executioner at backyield.com which is a wonderful website that you goddamn well better be reading. Joe, welcome. Thank you for taking time out of your 19, 22-hour workdays uh, to, to do this podcast with me. Tom, you got it. First of all, I've been really enjoying the solo runs. It, it's something that I don't think really exists a whole lot in the American soccer podcast space. That said, I'm glad to be here, and I, I hope to be back again. But you've been doing a great job with that. I like how you're sort of the, the managing expectations dictator. You've sort of painted me <laughs> as the backfield dictator. I'd like to think that we're, we're not actually those things. But I don't, I don't even know anymore, man. Either way, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and that's kind. I've, I've been joking, too, with the – I've been listening to the Ryan Rosillo podcast more and more on sure. The Ringer. So I, I really like him. And he does, like, solo segments, and it's really good. And, you know, you think, hey, you know, one of the very best podcast, the top 0.01% podcasters in the world can do it solo. Maybe I can, too. <laughs> right. What's stopping me? Yeah, we got this. <laughs> All right. Um, let's get after it, then. Um, there's plenty to go around. We're just going to hit a bunch of big – Stories that are going on in, in MLS and U.S. soccer. We'll talk free agency. Tati Cassiano says Girona, the national team player movement and some MLS odds and ends. Uh, we'll get going with kind of the news of the day released a few hours before we started recording by the MLS Players Association. The list of free agency eligible players has been announced, both by players who are out of contract and those who have contract options. We're going to focus just on the ones who are out of contract. And a quick caveat to be, this isn't an extensive, exclusive look at Every single player who's out of contract this offseason, this is only the players who are free, uh, eligible for free agency, which means being at least 25 years old and having five years of service in MLS. Again, these other players who don't meet those requirements can sign for free elsewhere in the world. They could sign for free elsewhere in MLS, but they just need to trade. Uh, the club would need to trade for their rights. So again, this is not every single player who's out of contract, but it, it's a big list of a lot of big names since the MLSPA and the and MLS agreed to lowering the free agency requirements um, and, and restrictions, which I think is phenomenal. More player movement, more player empowerment yeah. is always a good thing. So, Joe, um, I'm just going to run through the biggest names real quick. Aaron Long, Daniel Shawley, Alejandro Bedoya, Sean Johnson, Anton Tinnerholm, Alex Collins, Jonathan Osorio, Jossie Zardes, Eric Rometty, Ola Kamara, Ryan Hollingshead, Franco Escobar. And again, there are a bunch of others. But, Joe, spin the wheel. Who do you want to talk about first? Okay, before I get into any of those names, I, I love this stuff, Tom. And I, I really like that MLS is leaning more and more in this kind of classic American sports direction. There's a lot about sort of the MLS rules and, and overcomplication that's in this league that's frustrating that I think they have drawn maybe a little too much and gone overboard in the American soccer sphere. But this just makes the league yeah. more fun. It makes it more entertaining. It makes it more fun for us to talk about. It makes it more fun, I think, for people to think about and to enjoy I, I really enjoy this aspect of soccer and also the the interleague trade stuff too. Just a lot of this interleague stuff that we're seeing right now. Yeah, l- l- that's a good point. Let's stay here for a second before talking about the players. Like, I forget that the, the MLSPA put out numbers. It's it's something up like by a degree of fifteen or twenty percent to the players who are available or eligible for free agency. Which again, as you point out, this is good. This is great. Like um, the idea of even uh, who who uh, Junior Moreno was signed by. FC Cincinnati and free agency, and they still had to give DC United like 400000 in allocation money. Like, 
for for uh, MLS, I think it's too much stick for some of these rules. Like there there are reasons behind a lot of them. A lot of it makes yeah, sense. Of these are one of the ones that, that that I don't particularly love. That if you're out of contract, that a team can still be compensated, even even if that they have no like they let you walk in free agency and you still have to give them money. So again, as uh, the the less and less that these rules are in place, these restrictions are in place to give players some more empowerment and some government over their own future if they want to play in this league like they could again junior moreno could have went to south america to europe wherever he wanted to the cpl but if he wanted to stay in mls which he clearly did the player who fits in this league he needed to have something worked out with dc united so again the less of that the better yeah it's just fun again it makes this league more more entertaining and i think i think it's one of the it's vast it's quickly becoming one of my favorite parts about talking about mls people just i had this realization earlier tom people just care about new stuff stuff that moves players moving to a new spot Coaches moving, changes, and this is a change that I think is a really compelling one inside of MLS. Now, as far as names go, and, and, and hold on, and, and, and yeah, yeah, you're, you're you're speaking to somebody who's, you know, I I know people care more about my information and reporting <laughs> than my my analysis on games. Like we if we fall in love with the transaction. It's it's one yeah. of the reasons why. Like I love NBA, I love basketball, but like oh my god, do I love the the the, the drama and everything? Yeah, that, yeah the, the transaction is is what it is. And again, as a as a sad Knicks fan. My my championship is, is when they swing and miss in free agency or the draft. It, it's the hope that kills you. And like you said, we look at the new thing. We think it's fun. Like I'm, we all fall in love with tra- with the transaction. So I, again, it, it fun. I took it a little bit too seriously on a commentary about you know labor having more options and more freedom. You're right. <laughs> it, it's it's fun and, and and I love it. It can be both, Tom. It can and probably should be both. As far as names go, there's one in particular that stands out to me, and there's there's a, a trio that stands out to me. And I'm guessing you already kind of know where I'm going with this. It's, it's looking at NYCFC. This has been yeah. a, a really strong team in Major League Soccer for a while now, and they have some big decisions coming up, not only with, with the old Tati thing, Tati thing that we'll talk about later, but you also <laughs> have a, a number of really important players for them who are going to be eligible for free agency. So one is Alexander Kyens, who's been just a, a rock for them in the back for a long time. He's, he's getting older. He's 30 years old right now, but he is a, a, an incredible center back, one of my favorite to watch in MLS and maybe one of the best overall in the entire league right now I think he is one of if not the biggest and most impactful name in this free agent class but then you drop down just a little bit maybe one tier lower and you have Sean Johnson and Anton Tinnerholm and we haven't seen much of Mm -hmm. Tinnerholm this year in MLS he's been dealing with injuries but I mean he is when healthy the best right back one of the best right backs in this entire league And, and Sean Johnson has been a really good shot stopper for a while now and has some stuff going on on the national team level as well as we look towards November in the World Cup so what NYCFC end up doing, how they choose to build their roster heading into next year. Obviously, they have more resources and flexibility, both because of how they have wisely built their squad from the decision makers inside the front office that are in MLS, but also the resources and the scouting network they have that just is, is really not replicable. Yeah. They have a lot of ability to shape this team headed into next year, and that's only contributed to it. These free agents only contribute to that flexibility. Tom, what do you... What do you think happens with NYCFC? Are you with me in, in terms of these being three of the biggest names? What do you think about all this? Yeah, so I, I knew um, I, I put out something a few months ago because, again, like the transparency can be pretty bad. Um, only recently, I think, the league made teams write out how long contracts are when they announce contracts. So we still don't – we never really know who is it, who isn't a free agent. I wrote something a few months ago trying to you know talk to sources and, and gather around if there's big names. So I knew about Sean Johnson, and I thought that that in and of itself was going to be a big decision for NYCFC because I wasn't, I didn't hear anything positive about there being active and close contract talks. Which again, there's nothing abnormal that doesn't mean he's leaving. But I thought that was big enough as it is. And then you look at Anton Sinner and Alexander Collins. Like these are these three players have been the backbone of their back line for uh, half a decade. Like Sean Johnson, I think a little bit longer, but like this is a team that won MLS Cup. All three players are, are currently compensated very well, and they're not going to be cheap again. And with the salary cap gymnastics that teams have to do, trying to factor in those new signings, trying to factor in, you know, keeping keeping a core and refreshing things, it's a really big decision. Um, I think it's going to be difficult to keep all three, again, and particularly at the cap numbers that, one, they, they probably deserve, and two, yeah. would get in the open market, and all three are so close to free agency that they, it's not like they're going to sign a team-friendly deal right now, like, they could always come back and do that later. So I don't, I don't see them keeping all three. And that's not to say, like, I'm not sure if they even necessarily want to, because I know like, you know, they, when they traded Alex ring, they said that they kind of wanted to refresh the group just a little bit. They wanted to keep a lot in, in, intact and, and see what, what changes they can make. 
I don't think that they're going to bring back all three. Um, but but it, it it's again it's super interesting. We'll, we'll see where it goes. I'm only worried in the sense that I think we've looked around at some of the best teams in the league, and they've gotten carried away with getting too cute and maybe a little bit of too much hubris in. Yeah, we built this roster. Oh, you want to get paid more now? We can just replace you like how we signed you. And then FC Dallas still hasn't replaced Walker Zimmerman in that trade. LAFC, I, they're fine. They're, they're really, really good this year, but they didn't really replace Walker Zimmerman. And, and yeah. they kind of recognized the errors by signing six or seven MLS experienced players this offseason and investing a lot in that. Atlanta United have not recovered from the trades that they've made from dismantling their 2018 MLS Cup team. So I would just offer a word of, of be careful to NYCFC. I'm not sure how much better you can do than Sean Johnson, Anton Sinnerholm, and Alex Collins. Um, it's not that easy, particularly in defensive. Like, I, I, I trust them more in attacking. So, I don't know. It's a big decision. It's, it's a huge decision. And I think, again, I kind of already said this, but this is a, a crossroad, something of a crossroad offseason for NYCFC. You look at some of the moves that are already happening this season, again, thinking about Tati specifically. And, and you also think back to the last year, really. They've already kind of started to retool this squad mostly in the attack granted but they've already started to do that in, in a couple of different Thiago ways the, big, the biggest way right is is looking outside the league for talent you look at Tiago Martin's designated player I I'm not really convinced about him as a center back it felt like a weird move at the time and and from what I've read Tom you can correct me or maybe I'll just be wrong it doesn't really matter I don't think they can buy him down I think he is just a a straight up DP I don't know that's not obviously knowledge for me people know that but either way <laughs> they, they went out and signed a center back right they, they get him in the back and then they also go in to the attack and get Tyus Magno, which is a big money deal. They get Tiago Andrade. They get Pereira. They get, I mean, they have Santi Rodriguez, which is a little bit in that, in that contingent too. They've retooled the attack outside of the number nine spot. They prepared in one area for Maxi Morales to eventually leave this team. Mm-hmm. We don't know what that's going to look like. Now the question, and they also prepared a little bit at center back. The other way is maybe starting to look a little bit within their own system and within the league. You think about Tavon Gray specifically as a potential right back replacement for Anton Tenerholm. Yeah, he was awesome in the playoffs when Anton went. I I didn't think that that they were going to be able to replace him. Yeah, and I I don't think Tavon Gray can fully replace Tenerholm. I don't, they're not the same type of player and and Gray's still a little bit of a tweener in my mind. I don't, I don't love, I don't think he's a brilliant prospect, but he's a, he's a decent player. I'm just curious to see what's going to happen. What's the nine spot going to look like? Are they just going to let Kynes walk because they already went out and kind of did that center back work? That would kind of make sense to me and have Gray as a depth option. There's some other players in the squad too. Lots of questions around this team. I think they'll be one of the most interesting to watch pretty much from the second Tati walks out the door to the, the opening kickoff of 2023. Yeah, there's, there's a lot up in the air. And, and again, that, that's a lot in flux. And it's, these are the guys that are supposed to be the control group for when you lose a Tati Casianos. For when, again, Talos Magno isn't going to be here forever. I'm not suggesting he's leaving soon. But the, when you have the Sean Johnsons, Anton Sanders, Alex Collins, like the, the latter two are international players, but they've been here for five years. You become MLS experienced, MLS veteran players. It doesn't matter if you're domestic or not. So, again, I'd just be really careful about not trying to get rid of – I'd be really careful about looking at – at transfer targets and thinking about what could be and what potential rather than kind of focusing on what they have. I'll transition and spin the wheel for myself. Um, and I think a good transition question is uh, none of these decisions were made in a vacuum, but Joe, all things being equal, if you could sign Aaron Long or Alex Collins in free agency this, this winter, which would you pick? Collins. I think would in you? terms of, in terms of uh, the better player, I think he can contribute to more teams. Long is a very good player but he's not the most well-rounded center back. They're both similar in age. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think they're both hovering right around 30. They're both mm-hmm. in that stage of their career. They both have exper- have contributed to really good teams in the past, but Kynes can do a lot more with the ball at his feet. If I'm building a team and I want that flexibility, to have someone who, yeah, I can hang with the press, Long is, is better at that, but they're both mm-hmm. going to decline in that way as they, they climb over that 30 mark. Yeah, I, I'm taking NYCFC center back. Tom, where are you at on that? Yeah, I, I was Aaron Long, and, and I kind of put him him along with Daniel Shalwe as probably the, the two best free agents. And then um, I, I co-wrote something with Doyle, and he wrote in the Cowan section, this is probably the most coveted free agent or co- most coveted defender. And I, I was like, wow, I didn't even kind of consider that. I don't, like, I Maybe it's because I've known all season that Aaron Long is out of sure. contract. So I've been, I've been focused. And then when the Walker Zimmerman DP extension, like I'm not sure that Long is going to get a DP deal or not, but like, he should be getting like a max, something like a max Tam deal. So maybe I was just only looking at it through that prism. Like again, I'd still lean long, but but I think that those two, it's it's one A, one B. So Aaron Long for me is is the next name 
I he's a SoCal kid. You know, the Red Bulls, there have been the fractures between his camp and the club, first by pricing him out of multiple transfer offers over multiple years to France, to the English Championship. And then this winter, when they weren't signing him to a new contract, they rejected what were described to me as league record offers before the Paul Ariola deal. I know that sounds like word salad, a little bit confusing. So more than 1.2 that Lewis Morgan got traded for and less than the 2 million that Paul Ariola went for. So somewhere in there, that's a lot of money for a player on an expiring contract. So I'm not sure what the talks are like right now. I'm not sure what the relationship is like. I'm not sure how badly both parties want to extend this, but if you're the LA Galaxy man, back up the Brinks truck, do whatever you got to do to make it known to, to long that he's wanted, make it known to his, his representation that, the minute that we can make you an offer, we're making you an offer the same way that Nashville did. They had a private jet ready to pick up Sean Davis and Sean Davis signed with Nashville this offseason. I think that the Galaxy should be at the top of the list of teams, but I think that I think Aaron Long's going to have a lot of different options this this offseason. And he should, right? With his, the experiences that he's had inside of MLS, with, with what we know he can do when he's fully healthy and ready to go, he's an incredibly valuable player, a really valuable contributor, a domestic center back, I mean, I, I think we've seen how important he is to the Red Bulls over the years to how they want to play. I, I totally agree. Mm-hmm. In, another ambitious team inside MLS should be looking for him as well. They should be making offers. And I think it would be it would be mismanagement not to be doing that stuff. But yeah, I think it's got to be a huge priority for the Red Bulls to try to keep him because I don't think they have other capable center backs in the squad, but I don't think we've seen quite the same type of succession planning. I don't think we've seen a, a full high-profile, really talented center back come in who's ready to do that. I, so, but I I agree, and but I, and I like Sean Nealis too, but, like, what team in the league has replaced their Walker Zimmerman? Exactly. What team in the league, like, like if you look around, just pay him. Just, and, and if he's asking for one more guaranteed year than you want, and that, yeah. that, that this is a team that really only signs players under 23, it's okay to have a couple veterans. I think that you kind of got to do whatever the hell you got to do to keep them. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. I think we've seen this we've seen this very similar situation play out before, and I think the Red Bulls should be trying to do their absolute best to make sure that it, it doesn't end up in the same doesn't end up happening the same way here with with Aaron Long. I think all that makes sense. Tom, another unless you got anything else on Long, another name. My only other my own, my yeah, non sequitur would just be to say that like I think the Red Bulls also need to learn. Um, the, the one of the GMs that that um I have a good relationship with in the league that's not obviously at the Red Bulls um or that'd be weird because then I would just be naming a source there an, a, a red uh, an executive from another team points out that like if we don't have a new contract agreed with someone with any value within eighteen months of his deal we yeah. we're starting to look to move him so we don't lose them for free. Sean Davis could have been traded for a decent amount of money. You look at the other trades yep. that happened; he walked for free. Aaron Long looks like he's going to walk for free. So. I think that they need to, I guess, have some more foresight in some of these guys and recognizing the value of some of these guys. Absolutely. Yeah, Tom, that's a, a really good point. I was actually going to bring up Sean Davis's name for a different reason, but to, to stick on this for, for a second. Yeah, I, I think you want to be minimizing that, right? You're just leaving, you're leaving opportunity on the table, whether that's money, whether that's uh, getting in earlier in some of these negotiations, you're leaving that value, whatever form that takes on the table. So I, I think that's a good point. I wanted to bring up Sean Davis's name because I think he kind of reminds me of another player in this reagent class, not exactly in the same profile in terms of how they play the game, but Jonathan Osorio is another. I was really curious. I was curious name. which way you were going yeah. with that. I was looking at the names. <laughs> I think you could go a couple different ways, but Jonathan Osorio is is an interesting one here for me. He's also getting up there, right? A lot of these reagents tend to be more experienced. We're starting to see younger players fall into that category, but Osorio is a guy. You you wrote this. I have that piece you wrote with Doyle up right now. You talked about how he's wanted to go to Europe at some point. I. I don't know how realistic that is given his age. Mm-hmm. I, I really don't know. You'd have to be in a very specific situation as a European mm-hmm. club to be looking for someone like Jonathan Osorio. Not that he couldn't help a lot of teams. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's going to be a very specific level, I would imagine, in Europe, and, and maybe not the one that Jonathan Osorio had dreamed of four yeah. years ago or is still dreaming of now. So if we, if we table that side of the discussion for a second, and that could be where he goes, this feels like another move that every contender – and MLS, every team in MLS should be knocking on the door for Jonathan Osorio, assuming he works with, with their cap and, and he fit, mm-hmm. fits an area of need for them. He's a valuable player. I don't think he's a perfect player, but I think he's ready to come in and impact a team that's looking for a, a guy who has played a lot of games in Major League Soccer, played a lot of games for Toronto and a lot of games for Canada. Yeah. I, I think teams from across the league, both in the Eastern and the Western Conference teams in Canada, teams outside of Canada, should be knocking on the door. I think about Montreal under Wilfred Nancy. I mean, they're still... I think a little light 
in central midfield, at least in terms of top tier guys. Absolutely, 100%, 100% light. In, Kone's, in Kone's impressed me this year, but he's he's in a different category. He plays differently as well than Jonathan Osorio. They, they just, Montreal just need talent, I think, to really continue to help them take that that next step. So maybe that's a spot for him. I think you could pretty much put him anywhere in the league, though. Um, I got so Doyle. You know, I don't. I don't know if he if he was looking at that because like the fit's good and also like this. Oh, I didn't even like, see the, didn't even the, see the that. Canadian the Canadian classique. Like, let's see if he'll he'll trade party lines and and somebody replied to us like like you're you're insane if you think that Jonathan Osorio would would sign for Montreal right. after all these years at Toronto. So that's something to consider. But uh, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm with all that, and I think one of the impressive things for him is he's somebody who's pretty chameleonic. He can, in, in the 2017 trouble winning season, he was like the fifth attacking option. So he picked up kind of more defensive work and, and like it just the simplistic view of looking at his goal plus assist numbers when they were really, really good. His usage rate, his, his goals, his assists is that was lower because you had Javinko, you had Vasquez, you had Josie. You didn't, you didn't need him to shoulder burden when they've been bad. When like this year, and um, in 2018, when they were bad, his his numbers were up. So it was, okay, I need to try to carry the attack because we're missing some of these high-end guys. So he's somebody that's going to fit at a lot of places. His best fit, I think, is like a secondary or tertiary attacking, outlet attacking option. And that's something that he'd be in Montreal. I think that he would fit. Doyle also suggested Vancouver. I don't know if he was just trying to keep it keep him in Canada. Sure. Uh, but like, yeah, like he's somebody who's a winning player. Um, I know that's kind of nebulous, but... I, I he's somebody that I think, as you said, would, would fit in at almost everywhere as, as long as you have it in the budget and you're not creating a log jam and, and putting too much of your resources into one position. So, yeah, Jonathan Osorio is, is definitely kind of a, a top tier free agent this year. 100%. Yeah, I, I think he's a big name and a player who's ready to contribute and, and can elevate, can either keep you as a contributor or, or can contender, excuse me, or can elevate you into a tier above where you are as a club. So, yeah, definitely have my eyes on Osorio. All right, um, and then another guy who, as you said, could be going to Europe, or, or, or as you said uh, on Osorio, uh, Daniel Shallowy. Um, this, if he was a free agent last year, I think he would have gotten a DP deal. He still might, just because of the idea of of market value and free agency usually comes with a sticker price of plus twenty twenty five percent because you're bidding against other teams. Um, so Daniel Shallowy is out of contract right now. He is one who directly benefits from the new free agency rules. He would not be a free agent if this was two years ago before the, the last uh, CBA, because he wouldn't have been, he's, he's going to be 26. I think he turns 26 like yesterday. Um, so he wouldn't have met the age requirements. This is one that reminds me of Albert Rusnak, just in the sense that this is somebody that isn't available in free agency in MLS or hadn't been available in uh, free agency in MLS. This is, I don't know if he was best 11, but he was close if he wasn't last year. It's a year. different tier, a different tier of yeah, player. And, yeah. and in his prime and somebody who's been in MLS for however many years as, as a homegrown he has a Hungarian passport, a Hungarian international. Um, I'm sure that he'll consider options from Europe. I'm not. I'm not sure what his kind of thought process is behind this, but whether he stays with Kansas City or not, he's if he stays in MLS, it, it it's going to be on a, on a very sweet deal because there's going to be a lot of clubs trying to sign him. Yeah, and they, they should. It's difficult. One of the areas I think in MLS that is generally lacking, and maybe that's starting to change a little bit, is quality out wide. I don't think we see a lot of really dangerous game-breaking talents in the wide areas. I think we see a lot of really quality number nines. Mm-hmm. And that trend is, is pretty much continued. We see a lot of capable number tens. And MLS is still a league where tens thrive. Yep. And we see a lot of workmen-like midfielders with an occasional regista who can thread balls in behind. And maybe that's Jack McGlynn for the next decade. I really hope so. Either <laughs> way, we see a lot of those kinds of players. But we don't see a lot of just really incredibly talented wingers. And the ones that are in the league, leave the league very, very quickly because everybody's looking for those players. Daniel Shalloway is not the most consistent guy, has not been the most consistent in his past, but I, I think he's really come into his own over the last couple of seasons in Kansas City. And he strikes me as a guy who can be in that top couple of tiers, maybe in that second tier of wingers outside of players like Taz mm. Magno and Brian Rodriguez and, and those players that, that very clearly have one foot out the door, not in terms of how they're approaching games, mm-hmm. but just their profile is, is very much on to the next step. Shallow is different. He's in a different stratosphere, but still a higher one than most players in MLS. I think he's a really useful player, really valuable player. We've seen that for Sporting Kansas City on good teams and now on bad teams. Yeah, teams 100% should be knocking down the door. I don't know if he ends up in MLS. I think given how how young he is relative to a lot of the other names on this list, it, it would make sense for him to peruse those options in Europe. I just I just hope we get to see him stay in MLS because I think he can do a lot of damage. 
Yeah, and, and even, like, I think that that would make a lot of sense, too, because you could always come back. Like, there's, you think of Bill Hamid was gone for not that long, and I'm sure that there's other other kind of examples that aren't on the top of my head that if it doesn't work out, that's fine. Like, yeah. people, like, MLS won't stop valuing him in a year if it, if it doesn't go well in Europe. So um, I'll let you pick one more name before we move on. Okay, I'm going to cheat and do two here because I think there's a couple <laughs> of strikers that, that are in a similar-ish kind of situation. Jossie Zardes and Ola Kamara, both players that we know can score goals in MLS, both players that are out of contract at the end of this year. DC now have like a, a thousand mm-hmm. different number nines, and honestly, who knows what's going on there at the moment. A lot of questions around that. Questions about whether or not Zardes stays in Colorado. I know they just traded for him, but obviously he's, he is out of contract. So I don't, I don't know. There's, there's going to be questions around where these players are going. Again, I think they can do a lot of good work for kind of wherever they end up in MLS. I don't think they're necessarily in that elite tier of number nines at this point in their careers and at this point of MLS's uh, evolution in life. But certainly names that I think are worth keeping our eyes on as we head towards the offseason. Yeah, um, quick note on Ola. As you said, that there's that he's been available for trade, being yeah. actively shopped for the last seven months. So who knows if he'll make it to free agency yet from DC United or if he'll be traded this summer. I don't know. Um, and with Jossie, in part of his trade, it was three hundred thousand up front, and then one point one million in our in allocation money and add-ons. That's a lot of which is tied to him resigning. So it, there's another layer to this decision for Colorado. You're not just signing him to whatever contract if you re-sign him you're signing him plus, plus trading yeah. some more allocation money so i'm not sure how that's going to impact things but again like i know that things are down around jossie and in, in terms of scoring goals and, and form and you know getting replaced as a starting striker in in columbus and then traded and then wasn't exactly given a hero's welcome out the door by caleb porter with some of those quotes um he doesn't have and a neck then, tattoo, Tom. Come on. I mean, <laughs> he was never yeah. going to be good in Columbus. And then he didn't He didn't do uh, – he, he's been okay lately in, in uh, Colorado, but he hasn't – it wasn't great particularly at first. He's still a really good MLS striker, dependable yeah. MLS striker. He's double-digit scorer in essentially each of the last four or five seasons since he got to Columbus. Pretty sure one of those years he didn't hit, but that's – last year he, he only played like 19 or 20 games because of injury. He could be useful to a lot of teams. Doyle wrote with Kamara that he'd be – the kind of the perfect super sub second striker um, that t- CCL type teams have. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't go putting him in a box or just a super sub role at, at, at his age, like already, like, cause he's 33, I believe like that's, that's still enough to be maybe not 30 games a season, but I, I wouldn't just reduce him to a bench role. Again, I think both of these players can help a lot of teams. hundred percent. Yeah. Players that I think make sense for teams that are pushing, if they can afford to use them in a, in a secondary role, or as a as a more of a rotation than an every game starter, but also still players I think could try to elevate teams that are a little bit lower down the tier list right now in MLS. All right, let's move on. Tati Casianos, um, the future that everybody was looking at. We thought he was going to be gone in the winter. He was promised to be gone in the winter. No deals came. He w- wasn't in love with getting having to stay, but he's been an, an incredible professional. He hasn't let it affect his his production. Hasn't let it affect his his you know at least attitude on the field or in public, he's been a really good, really good um, outward, at least it is in terms of his, uh, terms of his, how he's handled it, but he's getting the move that he wants now. Um, He will play one more game for NYCFC, uh, according to Fabrizio Romano, before heading to Girona in Spain on loan. I believe this is going to be City Football Group purchases him from NYCFC, so essentially Manchester City, loans him to his CFG club, Girona, and the hope, the idea here is he either outplays the like teams that were dubious of signing him, maybe because of his MLS stuff looks and what he might do or doesn't do in La Liga. And then they buy him next year or whatever it works. It reminds you of the Jack Harrison deal. Sure. City football group bought him from NYCFC, loaned him to Middlesbrough, loaned him to Leeds and then Leeds bought him um, permanently. So Joe, first thoughts on this move. I, I like the move for Tati. He, in, in that he is ready, right? That's been very oh, clear yeah. for more than a year now. He's been the best striker and maybe even the best outfield player and MLS for the last two seasons. He's incredible. He's having a great season right now. NYCFC are going to miss him very, very much. All of that is, is true. So he's ready for La Liga. I think he'll do very well there. I think he's, he's more than prepared for that challenge. This, this transfer is not exactly, not exactly the one that I think I had sort of hoped for looking at Tati Castellanos just in terms of the logistics. Yeah. It just is it's more complicated than you want it to be, right? It, it's more complicated for this player who I think has the potential to be in in the second tier of MLS exports all time, 
and basically Alfonso Davies is just in tier one by himself. <laughs> but you have, at least let's just look at the past two years. I think in tier two, you have Tyler Adams. You have maybe Brendan Aronson pushing his way into that group. You have Miguel totally. Miron, who maybe it just wasn't quite the right fit at Newcastle at the time, but still a brilliant player. And Tati, I think, is more than good enough to be in that tier. You just want him to kind of make the move now and find a place where he can contribute. I, I mean, I think when I imagined destinations for him, I was thinking top top half teams in the big five leagues in Europe, yeah. maybe even teams like in the Europa League or, or teams in the champion. I mean, that is not out of the question for a player that it was as good as he is. I think he should be breaking into the national team. I think he should be going in and getting minutes in your Euro- European competition. And I'm not just talking about the league. So in that way, I'm kind of I'm a little bit bummed, but I also don't doubt that he'll do well enough at Girona to then find that spot. It just would have been nice for the narrative purpose <laughs> that I think we're all trying to craft. If he had just made that jump now, NYCFC had gotten their big transfer fee for him, that it set some sort of, it was some sort of landmark deal for MLS where now it, it kind of doesn't end up being that for MLS. It doesn't, fully end up being that for Tati either but either way I'm happy for him and I think he'll do well there I think it's a good spot for for the near future yeah and I, I think that all that's a good point you know like it's fine it's whatever it's not exactly what you'd expect and I wonder what if he was a player that wasn't at a city football group or a Red Bull global team yeah. what, what would have happened because he, like this is uh hey I'm sorry that we broke our promise okay fine we'll move you to one <laughs> sure, of our other yeah. teams um and like I think that questions have to be asked of the club in that like um i believe Twelman or somebody said something to the effect that there were a couple bids. I know that there was a bid from Palmeiras for 12 and a half million. Again, that's not Europe. That that's, I think that's kind of out of the question unless that he was really pushing for it. I'm not sure, but uh, apparently there were some bids that were around the 12 or 13 million mark. I think that I know you wanted 15. I think that we all think he's worth Worth that much and should have been, you know, maybe like the, the housing market here that that's the sticker price, but then multiple bids come in above that because there's a little bit of a bidding war. And again, maybe that's us being biased because we watch him every week, but I don't know. I I think that he was worth it. I'm not, sometimes it doesn't work out that way. Like, I don't know why they couldn't find a, all right, fine. We'll do 10 or 12 million, but we're throwing a bunch of add-ons in it because we believe he's very great. And then we're fine. If you want to pay less, then we're keeping a sell-on percentage. I think that the club should have done better with that. Um, again, I'm, I'm not sure how it got to this, where it's, he's being treated as, you know, Austin trusty was sent to Arsenal with, you know, even Arsenal were saying he's, he's not, we're going to loan him out. We're going to loan him out. Like, I promise he's not our new center back. Like that's not what you thought was going to happen for Tati Castellanos. So he's somebody who's, again, I've had him and again, that sound like a insane person, but I have a list of best players in the league, best players by position in the league that, that I try to update a couple times a year. The last time I did it, uh, but the one I did in preseason and the last time I did it was Tati best player in the league for me. That's, and, and I think that this is, is pretty underwhelming. I, I think that he'll do well in La Liga. I'm yeah. looking forward to it. But like you said, I mean, expectations were higher on this one. And it's, it is a reminder for me of MLS has made a lot of progress. It is still a reminder for me of how, how much distance there is to go <laughs> in the global market, right? I mean, if you put Tati Castellanos and his same performances in Brazil or in Argentina, He's going for much more than 12. Yeah. He's going for much more than 15. That's, that is the reality right now. And it's, it's kind of, it's a little bit of a punch in the face to NYCFC. They're feeling that, right? They're thinking, man, we know this guy's worth it. Why can't we get him? I, I'm, I pulled up, Tom, I think this is from you, from MLSoccer.com, of the most expensive outgoing fees ever. Right. And this was from a few months ago. I believe if NYCFC had gotten 15 million for him, that would have made the fifth, that would have made Tati the fifth most, most expensive outgoing deal in MLS history yeah. behind some of the names that we've already mentioned and a few that we haven't. He's, he's good enough for that. 15 million doesn't feel totally outlandish, but it is still, uh, uh, MLS is still in the prove it phase on the international landscape. As far as I'm concerned, that seems to be the perception of players coming out from MLS. There've been good ones, but there's still teams are still undervaluing talent. Even as MLS moves past the kind of untapped transfer market landscape. Teams are still valuing talent differently than teams inside MLS. And I think it's still going to take a while for that to change. It's a little unfortunate that Tati got caught in those crossfires, but that's, that's kind of where we are right now. And it's going to take another few years before that, that really is changed in a meaningful way, I think. Yeah, it is a slap in the face when you're golden boot winner, you're leader of the team that won the championship, yeah, a guy yeah. who, has, who has experience with the Argentine youth national teams is 23. He's clearly the, the sweet spot of, he can come and day one positively impact the first team in the starting 11. Plus he's an appreciating asset because of his age and what we think for his potential. So yeah, it's, it's pretty unfortunate that it's 
not kind of happening that way, but look, it is what it is. I got Tom. I have a question for you. So, from an NYCFC perspective, how do the how do the finances work, or if that pathway that you laid out earlier happens? So, CFG, right? So, basically, Manchester City is that fair to say? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll be purchasing Tati Castellanos and then loaning him to Girona, and then you know, where does NYCFC fit into all this? How are they being compensated? Is it just that initial fee? Do we not? Is there not enough? I don't know how this works really. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure. There's no details out on how they're structuring it. Okay. I'm assuming that they're going to do like Tyler Adams is was 3.3 million because that was the most that the Red Bulls could convert to allocation money. I'm sure whatever the most that NYCFC can convert to allocation money will be what the transfer fee is. Okay. And then maybe they'll put a sell on on it at the end just to kind of boost it like that. But the other part of this is that he's not a DP. <laughs> this is going to be he, he'd be insanely hard to replace if you even if he was a DP. Borderline impossible to replace yeah. for somebody who's not on DP charge. I believe that they, or I know that they can buy down Maxi Morales. So maybe they, they do open up another DP spot. I don't know what they're planning is. So yeah, we'll see what they do this summer. I've been trying to speak Luis Suarez into existence, but um, this <laughs> team has just, they've shown no interest in buying anybody that's older than, you know, 25 or whatever. So yeah, we'll see, but I, I can dream. <laughs> we can all, we can all dream Tom. We can all dream. It'd be beautiful, but it's probably not going to happen. <laughs> all right a couple more here um moving on to the national team guys and and we'll just look at some of the recent moves rather than all of the moves that maybe we'll maybe we'll do something longer form in terms of all of the mls all of the u.s national team players outlook before the european season starts we'll see but we'll start with some of the news that that's happened around the national team chris richards is on his way to crystal palace for about 15 million up front with some add-ons joe what do you think about that move from byron slash being on loan at hoffenheim yeah, well, first of all, good for Dallas, right? I think it is, <laughs> it's a useful chunk of change for them to be getting yep. some of the benefits of the sell-on fee, which I think is a, a pretty risky move in the, in a transfer. Player who didn't, who didn't play a minute yeah, in MLS. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a good bag for Dallas. So everything turned out roses for them. Um, as far as the move for Richards in particular, this is a tricky one. I mean, it seems to me that the motivation behind this move is to get minutes ahead of the World Cup. That is what right. Richards, someone who is not involved towards the very end of World Cup qualifying, but who very clearly sees the lack of clarity in the center-back depth chart with Greg Peralta right now, he should be looking to play, to really prove himself. He is not one of the guys. He's not an Adams or, or a, or a McKinney or even a Musa or a Pulisic or a Reina who I think could sit on the bench for every single minute between <laughs> today and November 20, whatever day that, that opening game is. They could sit on the bench and not matter, and I think they should still be starting as yeah. long as you get them some minutes in the friendlies before the World Cup. It's, it's that easy. Richards doesn't have that luxury. He needed a move out of Bayern to get minutes. Crystal Palace, on, on paper, a mid-table Premier League team, kind of fits that bill. They do have, under Patrick Vieira, a couple of more established center backs, and I can't claim to have watched a ton of Crystal Palace in detail, but from everything I've read and from what I have watched, Richards is probably going to be center back number three on the depth chart, if not a little bit further down. It's not to say he can't climb up. Mm-hmm. No, I think he will because I think Chris Richards is a very good player. And fits what Patrick Vieira wants. And fits what Patrick Vieira wants, absolutely. He's capable with the ball at his feet. He's relatively mobile. He, he's a very good center back who fits the modern mold in a lot of ways. He will not be walking into that lineup from day one, barring a change to a three-back system, which Patrick Vieira has talked about. So there's, there's nuance here. I think generally mm-hmm. a good fit. I like the fit for him post-World Cup. The question is between now and November, can he get enough minutes to really show Greg Berhalter, hey, I should be starting for you in Qatar. And I, I don't know what that's going to look like. And I, I don't think Chris Richards does either right now. I thought for sure he was going to end up at Hoffenheim. Yeah. Um, they had him on loan for two years. Last year when they got him back on loan, they they were trying desperately to either just buy him outright, put a purchase option, whatever it was. I thought that that fit was good. Um, I, I was pleasantly surprised when I saw that like Crystal Palace were among the teams that were interested in him. I thought that, like, again, I, I, it's, it's nice to remind yourselves like, oh yeah, like this is, you know, t- we're looking at it so closely in, in a U.S. national team prism and, and watching as the kid went from 17 years old in the Dallas Academy to being bought by Bayern and then the loans. And it's like, oh, yeah, this isn't this is no longer just a young player with potential. This is a player that Crystal Palace want in their first team and Hoffenheim want in their first team. So just kind of taking a macro step back, it, sure. it, it is it is positive. But, yeah, we, we've seen moves fail for some players going to the Premier League, particularly towards the bottom of the Premier League. I think it's a little different. Josh Sargent, sorry. I don't know what that was. was you, look at, you look at some of those players who, you know, they're, the, 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 it doesn't suit their attributes. I think that that's not true here. I, I think mm. that as long as Palace do get to play with the ball enough, that he'll be he'll be fine. And, and regardless, he's a center back. So if they're defending a lot too, that that's fine yeah, as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I did see this one ending at Hoffenheim just based on, not, not inside information, just based on my assumptions. Yeah, no, same here. I thought 
a a similar level Bundesliga team where he already knows the league and is very comfortable there and has proven himself there yeah. made sense both in a short term and in more of a long term permanent deal kind of way. But I I do like Tom. You're you're wise to take a step back and point out the macro look at this. It's a good move. I think he fits what Patrick Vieira wants to do. I think he is good enough to work his way into that group. Hopefully that happens before the World Cup. But but either way, if we zoom out a little bit and think a little bit bigger here, I, I do like this move. Um, and just speaking of American center backs, do you think that the reason that John Brooks is still a free agent is because Greg Berhalter called every team in Europe and said, don't sign him? <laughs> is, that, is that also true here again? Or Oh, Tom, this is this is just a gift that keeps on giving, this whole John Brooks thing, isn't it? I am I am really curious legitimately to see where he ends up because we'll find out if 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 Berhalter really is is on the head with this whole, we want him to go play with a team that uses the high line and Wolfsburg's not that team. And if he does that, maybe he'll be brought in. Like we'll find out the answer to that. If he moves to the right club and, and gets a look in the friendlies, either way, it is, it's pure chaos, man. It's pure chaos. <laughs> I've been spent a lot of time thinking about it. We'll, we'll wait until again, if, if that happens, I didn't even consider that. So yeah, maybe, maybe there is a future, but uh, I'm going to wait and see. Point. <laughs> um, Haji Wright um, has moved back to the Turkish club that he was on loan at. Joe, you do you want do you want to pronounce it? Antalya Spore? That's what it is, oh, right? Antalya Spore? Oh, fantastic. Yeah, Thank that was you. much better than me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Taylor you. Rockwell. Taylor Rockwell lived in Turkey for a while, and so I, I try to get my Turkish pronunciation pronunciations from him. Apparently I can pronounce Antalya Spore, but not pronunciation. So that's great for me. Yeah. So Haji Wright re-signed at a place where he was very successful at. There were a number of other teams that tried to sign him. Whole City had had a deal agreed, and they kind of went public with it after the, the Danish club that he was on loan from announced that the deal was agreed. I think they were trying to keep it in quiet so that other teams wouldn't come in. It seemed like it was Kyle Lahren. I believe Kyle Lahren's the, the reporting around him was that he was just going to go to the, to the highest bidder. I think Haji Wright was saying that he wanted to go somewhere where he'll definitely play. And this is a team where he definitely played last year and he'll continue playing. I wouldn't, I don't know if I would have loved whole city, but I wouldn't have hated it. I think he would have played 46 games in the championship. Uh, Spezia in Italy were another team with, with American ownership that tried to sign him. I think it's going to be super interesting. I, I I like his profile. I like I he didn't he wasn't great in his first taste with the senior national team, but like I thought that he offered more than PFO did. And mm-hmm. that's highish up on the depth chart. Like this is a guy who really has a chance to break into the team and and I'm curious to see what he's going to do in Turkey again. I really wouldn't have minded seeing him say in Italy or England even if it was a second division in England. It's just, it, it's easier and we have a better concept of what the level is in those yeah. leagues, I think, than we do in Turkey. That's part of it for me is it's easier to evaluate Haji Wright at Hull City in the championship than it is to evaluate him at Antalya Spor in Turkey, which is a league that's just much harder to watch and not one that we have really any other reason to watch outside of Americans playing there, which doesn't happen. Tyler Boyd? Time. Yeah, yeah, Tyler Boyd, John Joe Yedlin for a, a brief period at Galatasaray. It just doesn't happen a ton. So. <laughs> I would have selfishly liked to see him move to a league that is more accessible. It's not that it's impossible to watch footage there. But again, it's a reminder. The number nine. Selfishly, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was all from Joe. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know where to find the Turkish league. I'm not going to lie. So it, it's just a reminder of, of how open the number nine depth chart is still. I think largely after Jesus Ferreira, who's still 9-1 in, in Greg Baralter's eyes, I think, and in mine as well. So maybe that's how you write. Maybe it's someone else that's never played for the national team. I would still love to see Brandon Vasquez get a look uh, in, in those friendlies before the World Cup. I think he's earned it with his play in Cincinnati. Just a, a big old question mark and a big old group of question marks in that spot. I like I like the, the turn of phrase 9-1 to, to steal in a little bit. Yeah, from not, not confusing at all. Like when you <laughs> yeah, said 9-1, I was like, what do you mean? And I was like, oh, I like that. <laughs> I'm just so tired of just, you know, trying to use fewer words. That's all. That's all. <laughs> um so unless you have any more thoughts there there's Bring some it. other recent national team moves zach stefan completed his move to middlesbrough yeah. as uh, americans take over the champo daryl dk at west brom josh Sargent at at narch um who else off the top of my head who am i missing oh um austin trusty at birmingham uh yeah. it'll be fun to watch some more americans in the, in the champo now that that we're losing full uh tim ream and anthony robinson going to the Premier league <laughs> right. now Josh Sargent's coming down. Zach Steffen's blown down. So it, it has it, to balance out. We need this quota. equilibrium. Yeah, exactly. We need that level. I, I am fascinated by the Zach Steffen move. Not because I'm excited to watch Middlesbrough, but we can just stop having this debate. <laughs> that is the biggest win of the offseason for U.S. men's national team fans and for people that cover this team. The whole thing is, is Zach Steffen a good shot stopper or not? Does the work with his feet really validate the, the lack of shot stopping if you're even willing to accept that he's not a good shot stopper? 
I, I believe, based off of what we've seen with the national team, the numbers bear this out, that Turner is a far better shot stopper, and I think that is a much more valuable skill than whatever perceived advantage that Stefan has with his feet. But that doesn't even matter anymore, Tom. We're going to get to see Zach Stefan play soccer hopefully every single week. That's a huge win. I mean, we'll get to midweeks midweeks because the Champo schedule is insane. (laughs) Right, right. There are 87,000 games. We'll finally get a a season long or at least a few months long set of information, of games, of data, of shot stopping numbers to see, okay, is Stefan good enough or not? And whether Greg Berhalter will look at that and, and care about that, I don't know. But I am interested by this move. I think he will play there, Zach Stefan. And I think it, it is going to provide some useful information before the World Cup. Yeah, a couple of things, Joe. I'm glad that you're really weird like me. I don't know. I like my goalkeepers to be good at shot stopping, <laughs> first and foremost. I know it's a really weird thing to want. But, yeah, that's usually what I look at first. And, and the same thing with center backs. I, that's great if, you, if you're good with your feet. First, you need to be good at defending. Yeah, and then we'll course. talk about your feet. So, I know, I know it's a crazy concept that goalkeepers are good at, at goalkeeping. Um, yeah, it's just wild, wild stuff. <laughs> but yeah, and, and, and um, oh, I was too busy making a joke. I forgot my second <laughs> I don't think I need a second point. I think that's all right. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it, I, I, am, I am looking forward to seeing uh, how some of these players play in the champ. I, I like, again, I, I think that it was, it was really electric when, when Del DK was at Barnsley for that loan. That um, I'm really excited to see Josh Sargent play in a team that attacks for the first time since probably he was 18, if ever at all every it seems you know Bremen were really anti-football team that he was playing as a winger like hopefully he gets to play center forward in an attacking team because he needs those reps and then I want to see what he looks like again mm-hmm. so I, I I'm definitely looking forward to to all of that 100 this I think a lot of these moves and some of the club movements themselves provide players with better opportunities to test themselves and to, to do things that fit with their skill set Sergeant is a player that fits into that category Stefan certainly is as well I think there there have been some pretty strong moves for this U.S. team, even setting the World Cup lens aside for November. Yeah, um, and we we will be have everybody will be having this conversation. It, it's going to be a weekly, you know, like the sports radio stuff that you just go back to the well whenever you need content. Like that's going to be the Turner Stefan thing is not going away until November. It doesn't matter what happens. This is going to be a, oh my god, it's Wednesday afternoon. I don't know what to talk about. Uh, Stefan versus Turner. <laughs> but don't don't yeah don't start celebrating that going away. Um, okay, you're more. Right. Right. A couple more national team guys. Malik Tillman, the Rangers. I was very surprised that there was a purchase option in that. I thought that was just going to be a loan, and Bayern either were going to decide at the end of the year whether he had a future there or the loan would raise his value, and then they'd sell him regardless. So mm-hmm. I thought that was a, a interesting tidbit. I, I kind of like this move. Malik Tillman's not ready. Malik Tillman's not ready for Bayern. I don't think he's probably ever going to be good enough to play for Bayern Munich. Probably fair. I, I don't want to jump that gun just yet, but Rangers, I, I don't love – a lot of these U.S. players ending up in Scotland because the level is so disparate from the top to the bottom. But Rangers is a good team. They'll be playing in meaningful games. Mm. And I, I, I hope that we'll get a chance to see him play. I know it's not always that easy. James Sands <laughs> going and not getting a ton of minutes last year. It's not mm. like he's going to walk right into that team. But it is a much more achievable level than a lot of the other places he could have gone or, or <laughs> just maybe staying at Bayern Munich on the bench. That's a good point. Um, a couple more younger guys. Cole Bassett, the reported potential loan of his loan to Fortuna. <laughs> is not happening. Um, it's hazy over what happened there. The, um, some Dutch outlets are reporting that there was some new FIFA rule in loan that had to do with loans, but he was already on loan. I don't know. I don't feel like diving through all that. <laughs> uh, all, all I do know is that the Colorado Rapids would have had to give consent because he's a Colorado Rapids player. Sure. And that rule is meant to protect teams that if you loan somebody that they're not just going to get screwed by doing whatever they want with them. So again, that had to have been a collective decision. I guess collectively they didn't, they didn't decide on it. So Cole Bassett is, Still with Feyenoord, I don't think that he's going to be an every-game starter, but I'm happy. I, like, I would have been happy if he did move into, to get you know, 2,000, 3,000 minutes, but I think that he's going to get a decent amount of playing time. He's going to be in a good team, and I don't know. I'm just a big Cole Bassett guy, and I know that Dennis DeClosa, former LA Galaxy sporting director, who's now a C, the CEO of sporting director, wherever it is, at, at uh, Feyenoord, I know that he's rated him for a long time. Yeah, I hope it works out for Cole Bassett. I'm not nearly as high on him as a lot of other folks sound like as you are either, Tom. He's a little bit of a tweener, but getting playing time is what he needs. And hopefully that happens yep. at Feyenoord. If not, I mean, this is jumping the gun a little bit, but we talked about it with Daniel Shaway earlier. I think there will be a spot for him at MLS. And I think that is a very fair level for him. It's too early. I, I'm not ready to make that call now. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't think he should be either, but it'll be an interesting one to monitor how much he plays in there. This year. He's got a year, a year left on that loan. And another player who's on loan with a year left is Justin Che. He was, potentially going to another German team on loan from the loan. Again, FC Dallas would have to sanction this. Um, I was told that there was, there was nothing new there. I was told 
kind of from sources in Dallas that Hoffenheim haven't presented Dallas with anything to okay or say no to. So we'll see how that develops. Uh, Richie Ledesma is another guy to watch. There is no decision on if he's going to go out on loan from PSV or not. He's playing well in preseason from what I've heard. And he had an assist the other day. Um, so they're not, they want him to play regularly. Um, and I don't think that they're ready to say that's definitely not happening here. So those are some, uh, some young guys. So not to keep rambling, um, a good transition of from national team to MLS. Let's talk about two national team guys or American guys going back to MLS or going to MLS. Sorry. Shaquille Moore to Nashville SC for about a 2 million fee. Um, he's going to fit, I think pretty perfectly in Gary Smith's system, whether he's wing back in the three back or they play it a little bit with a four, two, three, one. Again, I think he'll be great at both of those spots. Yeah. He, he fits what Gary Smith wants to do. This feels like a weird move, you know, looking at Nashville's squad and maybe this is just the order that things are happening, which is maybe not even worth getting hung up on this. But it feels weird that, that your first big-ish move of this particular transfer window is to get a right back. When it seems pretty <laughs> clear to me that the, the issues for Gary Smith are further upfield. Yeah, it is. It's the Gary Smith principle. So it's not surprising to me, but it, it just maybe isn't the first place in the squad that I would have looked to strengthen. Oh. I, I do think they needed a better right back, but it's, it is a strange move. And I, if there's another attacker coming in, then it, it doesn't really matter because I think they should address that, and if they do, then they check kind of both of those boxes. More fits, he can cross the ball. Feels like kind of a lot of money for a, a second division Spanish player. It's obviously the national team that's boosting his profile. I don't think really any MLS team would have looked for a player with that background if they weren't American and, and didn't have some connections here. But I don't know. We'll see. I think it'll be valuable for Nashville. I just have some some lingering questions about this one, I guess. Yeah, so the context of it, it is funny, the order of operations here, but like they wanted to sign him before the end of the primary transfer window. But uh, Tenerife said, you know, we're not letting anybody leave until this promotion chase is sorted. So this is a long term thing. If they, they would have wanted to bring him in in the winter, if they could. Fair. So um, that and, and he will add to the attack in terms of, of that crossing ability should be helpful for CJ Sapong. Hani Mukhtar is just going to always be a, always going to be a superstar. So. I'm looking forward to seeing how that goes. Um, the other American player coming to MLS is Nico Giacchini to Orlando City. I can't believe this is a free transfer. I know that his his contract was up in a year, and they didn't have a lot of leverage. But getting him for a free transfer with a sell-on percentage, I think, is fantastic work by Orlando. And they need attacking help. I'm looking at FURF's yep. expected goals table right now. They're third Not good. from bottom. I mean, so it's Orlando, <laughs> it's Toronto, and it's SKC. And that bottom three is Vancouver right in front of them. They need some attacking help. I think Joachini can do some of that. I don't know exactly what his level at. I mean, what his level is. He's been bouncing around a little bit in France in terms of where he's played in the competition he's been playing against. He's never totally wowed me with the national team, but getting a, a more stable environment and, and getting a chance to impact Orlando's attack feels like a good move for Orlando City, and, and it feels like a good move for Joachini as well. I agree. Some more MLS up before we get out of here. Sebastian Mendez, Ecuador International with like 30 caps. Traded from Orlando to LAFC. Uh, Mendez had fallen down the pecking order pretty much for the last two years or a year and a half, maybe, um, under Oscar Preja. They have a lot of good center mids, um, but LAFC kind of feels like the rich get richer here. Yeah, and they need, well, I don't want to say they need necessarily another central <laughs> midfielder, but they just sent Janela off on loan, right? So there's an open spot in that. Mendez midfield. is so much better than him. Yeah, and, that, and that, is, that is such a net positive. That fits what they want to do. Acosta can still slide back and play the six that they need to get Ilya some rest, which will need to happen. He provides and more, more, and more energy, energy too, more, as well. More dynamism. More energy. He's a more active player. It fits what, what Shrundula wants to do, which is be aggressive. Yes, to have the ball and to be possession-oriented, but to press as well and to be aggressive and to be in your face. And they need that cover right now, especially with the front three, which is kind of a, a mishmash of styles. Brian Rodriguez, if he's back, it's not maybe the mm. most ambitious presser. Vela and Bale certainly aren't. Jim Rongo <laughs> is not someone that, that Strundolo apparently values defensively. So they need cover. I all. think Mendez can do a lot of that stuff. Yeah, that that seems like one hell of a difficult midfield to play against if they yeah. when they whenever they do Kellen Acosta, Mendez, Cifuentes, you, you mix in blessing there if he doesn't get traded as well. Uh yeah, that's I think that's just a fantastic move. And and I was talking to people like I'm theorizing that. I think that for what the fee was of 300000 I think every team should have been trying to do this. And I understand that LAFC are going to have some built-in um, advantages that he's out of contract after the season. Maybe Minnesota, for instance, didn't think they could re-sign him. Maybe Montreal. Insert any other team. When LAFC probably said, I think we can bring him in. And whether he already wants to or not, I think that we could probably convince him. And if they don't, 300000 in allocation money is a really good move. Um Another trade, as first reported by yours truly, Miguel Barry, going to D.C. United um, for not a lot. 
an allocation money. I believe his contract's up either after this season or next. Given the outlay for that, I'm going to assume it's this season, but I don't know that for certain. And as we kind of talked about before, DC now have three natural center forwards who can really only play center forward, and Wayne Rooney wants to play a 4 3 one Yeah, I mean, it feels like there has to be some... some there, this is the first shoot, it seems to me, to drop for DC in terms of bringing in players. It would be strange, I think, in the near future if there wasn't someone going out. I, I do like taking a flyer on Miguel Berry. I thought he was really good last year in limited minutes. Not nearly so good this year, but that's partly a Columbus thing, I think, who have been just kind of <laughs> dreadful in the attack, barring an early season outburst and yeah. barring Cucho Hernandez. So, yeah, take a shot at him. I think he kind of fits what maybe Wayne Rooney might want to do and what he might want in that more physical, good mover in the box, number nine profile. We'll just kind of have to wait and see on this one. Reminds me a little bit of the Brian White trade last year. I think that the outlook to playing time is a little bit more muddied than Brian White, but I love, and I think Brian White's more proven at, at this stage, but I like the idea of taking a role on, on a guy yeah. who wasn't playing. Why not look for value? Look for value within the league instead of going out and spending four times the amount or, or you know, in between two and five times the amount on a player with a relatively limited experience who's a, a similar guy to Miguel Berry. Look within the league. That's, I mean, I mentioned this earlier towards the top of the show. I, I love this stuff. I love these developments for MLS of free agency of interleague trades becoming a bigger deal and teams being willing to use their resources to make moves for these guys. It seems to me that there's a lot of value to be found. I don't know for sure if Miguel Berry is that guy, but he, he could be, and it seems like a pretty low cost to make that experiment happen. Maybe Ravel Morrison is that guy. Um, I reported yesterday that, you know, the deal that was already long reported confirmed that it was done, signed, everything's ready to go. He joined DC United. I don't, no, a lot to say right now because let's see how, how that works and let's see what, sure. what the other moves are. Like you said, the first shoot to drop kind of thing. Um, and lastly, Juan David Mascara to the Portland Timbers, um, a 19-year-old Colombian youth international who has like 55 or 60 appearances in the first team in Colombia, which is a lot for a 19-year-old right back. Um, I reported last week, advanced talks. Um, I think I'm going to have positive news on that at some point in the future. I'm expecting this to get done, but but as a, at time of, of speaking, Nothing's done yet. It would be a U22 initiative signing. Feels like it fits the profile, doesn't it? I mean, Portland don't care really much at all about developing Americans. They're very much inclined to go and look to South America for talent or to go to look for places internationally for talent. You've written about that before. We've talked about that before. It's the reality for this team, and, and this is congruent with that approach. This is one of the teams that I have a lot of respect for in terms of cap gymnastics to make these things mm. happen. The The difficulties and the potential perils with going with such a heavy international roster is you have to spend on transfer fees. You have to spend on international slots and, and, and everything else that comes with it. The way that they've been able to continue moving this roster and taking guys and keeping them. These aren't supposed to be everybody that they're bringing in. Isn't supposed to be for two years or whatever it is. They, they then create their own MLS experience and, and their own kind yeah. of veteran MLS guys in who that they're bringing in. And again, like, some of the way that they structure deals, whatever they have, who, who, I, I don't know if, if it's Gavin Wilkinson or Ned Grabboy or if they have their own capologist, whatever they've done over the past eight or nine years to, to be able to like Christian Paredes' deal was structured in, in such a creative way that lowered his cap it year by year. The same thing with Felipe Mora, like the way that they're able to move these and, and Sebastian Blanco's, I think he's occupying a DP spot, but they could buy him down. And, 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 and I assume that they're going to bring in a, a big DP in the winter. All of these things that they're able to do is is something that's really impressive, and and I'd I'd love to look under the hood and see like how the hell are, are you guys finding way? What do you think are market inefficiencies? But obviously, if you if you try to do those stories, teams aren't going to try to give away their secrets sure. that are making replicable. Like Colorado has really good analytics and 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 it's patented stuff. These aren't public tools, so. We're never going to know exactly how they do or what they do, but I think I find it very fascinating. Tom, you've used the word capologist and the word chameleonic on this episode. That <laughs> is just incredible work. Two of the best words that I've heard in a, in a long time. I love it. I love it, Tom. I've, um, I've gotten made fun of for using the word opulent a couple of times. <laughs> in I, I have a group chat that they immediately changed the name to put opulent in the group good. chat. So I think I think that's a good, way, good place to drop out. Um Thank you, Joe, for coming. Again, please, everybody, read Backheeled. Read Joe when, in the various other platforms he is. Um, but uh, subscribe to the newsletter. It's a really good way to get caught up on the weekend or, or, or however, whenever it comes out. And it's not just MLS. It, it's USL. It's it's women's national team, men's national team, all this. Um, do a fantastic job. Um, again, please, please subscribe to that, everybody listening who's stuck around for an hour here. Oh, thanks, Tom. All right, guys. Be back hopefully next week. No promises. Maybe. We'll see. Whatever. <laughs> Adios. 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.